Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. People have been saying that for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think it's more precious to us now than it's ever been in our lifetime. Is it not? In a time when the people of the world don't know what to expect, they don't know what to look to happen, and yet people are, many people are so disappointed. They never thought Mr. Biden would ever be inaugurated today, and they were just so sad. But I'm waiting for my king. I'm waiting for the other administration to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We're so happy to be together tonight in the house of the Lord and so appreciate the blessings of God on our lives and appreciate what he's done for us. As Brother Louis already mentioned, we certainly want to remember the Gisson Dinner family during this time of um, our brother's departure, Brother Randy, and um, heaven's gain, of course, is our loss, as we hear it say, said so much. We certainly want to pray for the family members that God will just be with them and strengthen them during this time. I know you will. <clears throat> Let's turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Again tonight, we've been speaking about getting in the spirit, and it's pretty evident that everybody's getting into some kind of spirit. Um, a lot of folks um, during the uh, election, a lot of folks during riots, and a lot of folks, you know, just expressing who and what they are. Well, I figure if they can do it, we ought to do it as well. Amen. That's right. But we actually reflect the land where we are from. They're reflecting the land where they are from. So you see people acting crazy, I'll let you know they're from Crazyville. That's right. So if we're from heaven, then we ought to act like heaven, right? It makes no sense that folks who say they're from heaven, they act as crazy as the people from Crazyville. So there ought to be a sanity and there ought to be a peace and all of that that God gives us even in troubled, troubled times. Amen. So appreciate uh, Brother Mike Walls being with us. I just only wish I'd have known he's going to be in here tonight because he'd have been standing up here instead of me about this time. Amen. Brother Mike's kind of sneaky like me and a lot of other preachers. He don't let preachers know when he's coming in. So he just sneaks in and sneaks out. So. But I've told him that before. If you don't want to preach, you just come in. That's all right. But so love and appreciate our brother. Wasn't it wonderful the testimony that, that he shared with us? Amen. Let's, let's read together. I'm sure we all believe this that we're going to read tonight. And we believe that we're in these times. This know also that in the last days, plural, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now listen how he's going to use uh, several, several descriptions, adjectives to describe the conditions of the last days. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, animal-like, despisers of those that are good. They will be traitors, heady, high-minded, 
lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. What a description. And yet, they won't all be agnostics. They won't all be infidels. For the last verse 5 is what gives the consummation of all these verses that you think, surely these people could not be religious. But yet, verse 5 says, having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness. Now, we know the word godliness actually means to be like God. So they have a form of religion which makes them believe and they are convinced that they are like God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And we know that God hates a powerless religion. Is that right? God, God hates it. God absolutely hates a powerless religion. And then what are we supposed to do then in turn from this type of attitude? From such, turn away. Now, will we ever be able to actually get away from them? Not until the rapture. Are we to treat them bad? Give them a bad attitude? No, we are not. You never find the Lord Jesus ever teaching His people to treat people bad, to have a bad attitude. He treated Judas so nice that the rest of the apostles, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they questioned themselves before they even questioned him. If Jesus would have given him the cold shoulder and would have always had this attitude toward Judas and been real sharp toward him and rebuked him all the time and said, you know, smart aleck type of things to him, they would have ever won suspicion that there's something about Judas. But Jesus treated him so much like a brother, so much like a believer. As a matter of fact, you know the custom of the way they would sit the last night at the supper and they reclined. They didn't sit the way we do, straight up at a, at a table in a chair, but they would recline. Judas had one of the most preeminent spots in the entire setting of the table. Jesus would have been reclined kind of laying back like this and they would have been laying facing him this way and laying facing him this way and Judas was right here next to him in so much that Judas and Jesus could reach right in the same bowl so this is an example so if we feel like we're justified in being mean to people treating them bad and ugly and we think we're being like Jesus I'm not sure what Jesus you're following that's not the one of the Bible but we are to turn away from their deeds, turn away from their behavior, turn away from their attitude. But that's where godliness kicks in. It takes God to help us to turn away from wrong, to separate the sin from the sinner and hate their sins, but not hate them. And the church said, well, that's a sermon within itself. I guess we can go to the house now. I'm mean, allowed to be remembered in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we counted a great opportunity and a privilege that's given to us tonight that we could gather together again. Lord, so good to see so many of the people able to gather. And Lord, we know that all of our assembly is not here, some still feeling uncomfortable because of the COVID situation and 
ones that have underlying conditions. And we pray that you'd be mindful of them tonight, Lord. They may not be here, but we want them to know they are not forgotten. We love them. We miss them. And we long to be able to all be back together again. And we pray that you'd watch over us. We believe we ought to be sensible, Lord, and try to do everything that we can to protect ourselves. We pray for those that are afflicted with it, as Brother Mike has already said. And God, that you'd bring complete healing. For some, Lord, that's months after they've recovered, yet still dealing with lingering effects. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bring complete healing to your people. Father God, we ask for every other need that's here tonight, for those that are visible, those that are invisible. God, we pray that you'd be mindful. Lord Jesus, we're asking for the Gissendaner family tonight, Father, that you would just help them. Lord, bring comfort and strength, and God, that you would help them tomorrow in the service, and Friday, and the days that are to come with the passing of our, our precious brother Randy. Lord, we know where he's gone. We would by no means call him back. But Lord, you see the loneliness that it leaves with us. and You allowed yourself to enter into our feelings and the suffering that we would go through. We know the shortest scripture in the Bible that Jesus wept. Father, you knew when you were here In a moment of time, you would call his name. His soul would hear you somewhere in a four-day journey. And he would be jerked back into time again. But you allowed your humanity to experience the depths of sorrow. And you were touched with their weeping. So when we weep and we cry, we have a high praise that can be touched by our infirmities. And the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, may the God of all comfort, comfort you. So Lord, would you help this family? Not only them, Lord, but others that have lost loved ones. And Father, we pray that you'd be with us. Help me, Lord, I'm the most needy, no doubt, here tonight in the building. As it's fallen my lot to stand and try to speak the word. Father God, even though, Lord, I've been preaching since just a young boy, how in the world could I ever stand here tonight and try to bring words of eternal life, words that might change folks' destiny, that might help them, though they would be going in the paths of darkness, that would shine light around where they are and loose them from the pangs of death. God, I pray you would help me. Shut my lips to anything that's contrary to your word. Help me, Father, in the name of Jesus. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Love you so much. So appreciate each of you. So glad that we're able to gather again, aren't you? Streaming streaming is all right. I, I thank the Lord for it. Don't know exactly, you know, how long we'll be able to do it. Freedom of religion and freedom of speech and all that thing may be taken from us before we leave. We don't know how it's all going to exactly come to pass, but we certainly want to be able to use every opportunity that we have and just be able to take advantage of it. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would. Uh, let's read another passage of Scripture in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. 
We know that this one here, Paul writing to Timothy and what we just read here tonight, but the one in Second in Thessalonians also ties in, ties in with the prophetic hour that we believe that we're living in. And certainly, we're living in a time when so much prophecy has come to pass in our day, and we believe is coming to pass in our day. And we are a, a people that God has allowed to see so many things in the sequence of events. Now, I want you to think that many of our forefathers might have lived decades of their lives, and they might have saw something or heard of maybe one prophecy that would have come to pass, say, when they were 10 or 11 years old, and they really didn't even remember it. And they went through their 20s and their 30s and their 40s and their 50s, and they might have been allowed to see maybe one more prophecy come to pass. And they considered themselves so blessed to see maybe two prophecies come to pass in their lifetime. Well, if they considered themselves to be blessed to see one or two or three things that the Word of God forecast would come to pass in their life, I want to ask you how blessed are you and I tonight? When it's nearly every day of our lives, we see more and more and more things that are coming to pass. Now, I want you to think that for the first time in American history, we have seen to where a woman has been sworn in to be the Vice President of the United States of America. Now, whether she will become the President or not, I can't rightfully say. But we have seen history come, come to a spot that nothing like this has ever existed. Actually, they're calling it in politics the Year of the Women. Because more women in Congress, more women in mayors, more women, both Democrat and Republican, and it's being celebrated in the political world as being called the Year of Women. And every one of them, when they get out of the kitchen, they're out of the will of God. They don't belong be mayors, and I know that's so out of time with what the world says. I'm just talking about the word says. Hey, are, are we worried about what the world says? Are y'all telling me that you've lived this long, and now we're going to start pulling back on this and that and the other, and we're scared of what the world says and the government says? Well, I'm sorry, I'm not. I believe we're living in an hour when prophecy is coming to pass. Remember the prophet told us years and years ago, and how his voice must have seemed so out of step was what can you imagine how that the people of that day must have heard Brother Branham say those things that women will be this and it's a women's world and women will do this and that and the other and they probably looked at him and said are you kidding are you out of your mind we women can't do this and we women can't do that they sure can't say it today and for the most part the women of this world do not want equal rights they want rights above men now you say what you want to say and so with a lot of these other agendas, they do not want equal rights, they want above your rights. Now you can sit there and hold your peace if you want to, but open your eyes and realize they're not wanting equal rights, they're wanting rights where they will be able to shut us down if we oppose their rights. That is not equal rights, that is them having precedent rights and us shutting our mouths and holding our peace. Well, you're looking at somebody tonight that's not going to hold his. 
Now you can be cowards if you wish to, but I'm going to stand before my Lord one day, and when I stand before him, I don't want him looking me in the face and say, you yellow-bellied chicken. Now you might sit there and hide your car when you drive to church and say, I'm hiding in the back parking lot and I'm parking where they can't see my license plate. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Jesus is having a picture took of you doing that and it'll meet you at the day of judgment. And you sit there and say, well, I ain't amen in them parts. He also took your picture on that. So if I was you, if I was coming, I'd say amen. i let heaven know and I'd certainly let hell know I'm not afraid of the devil. I don't believe in being foolish now, friends, but I believe it's going to come to a spot we're going to have to be identified with what we stand for. Now, I realize it's never been easy. You imagine living in the days of Rome. Whenever Paul had written the Roman letter to the Roman church, whenever my, nearly everything that Paul addressed, if you read the book of Romans and you'll study the time of history in the Greeks and among the Romans, you'll find so many of the things that Paul struck right in the Roman hierarchy was going on from, oh my, from politically to the demographics of everything that he mentioned and he sent the letter right to Rome itself and he did not fear even the emperor. Right in the Roman Senate, the things he was addressing and I don't find one paragraph in there where he said, now don't read this out in the public and don't read it among the common people but just keep all of this hid. No. But they let it be known and when the pastors of that day got that letter in the Roman church, you know what they done? The true message believers preached it. Even though it risked them being thrown in jail and the our lives being taken away. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You and I can't be bribed and claim we believe the same thing they did and then us go silent. Well, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. We've got, as the Holy Ghost leads us, we say it. And when he says, hold your peace, we hold our peace. That's right. But part of what we're going to read now in this in 2 Thessalonians 2 is showing us that there would be a prophecy that would come to pass also along with 2 Timothy here, and it would be what we know as the apostasy. Let us read this. Let no man deceive you by any means, which shows that in the last days they will certainly have lots of means to do it. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away. Now the Greek word here that Paul chose to use was apostasia. And it is the word that we get apostasy from. And it means to forsake or a defection or an apostasy. So the end cannot come unless there would be a falling away. Now, we all know that you cannot fall away from something that you never believed. You cannot fall away from something that you never adhered to. At one time in your life, and you grasped it, you believed it, you embraced it. Actually, one of the words here is that you actually owned it. So you said, this is mine. You were not just acquainted with it, but you claimed it, and you you put ownership on it and you said this is mine this is who I am this is a part of what I believe and a part of what I stand for so one of the true signs of the last days now whether or not there will actually be a woman president I'm not sure and to be honest with you I don't think Brother Random was because Brother Random said it could have been a woman or it could have been the Catholic Church 
right? So that's why myself, I just wait and look at these things and say, well, it may be or it may not be. Now, I know that a lot of folks try to pin it down. If God wanted it pinned down, I think he'd put the pen where the pen needs to go. So sometimes he just leaves us hanging a little bit and we say, well, it could be or it could not be. If God didn't tell the prophet, it was definitely gonna be a woman, but he left him even at the church age book, which was completed to be written in 1965, then I doubt that God's gonna tell me or any of the rest of us directly, yes, it's gonna be a woman president. Either way, I'm good. Either way, because I'm not waiting for a woman president to get filled with the Holy Ghost, I done got filled. I'm not waiting for a woman president to move in and do this, that, the other, then I'm gonna get close to God. I wanna be close to God today just for the sake of being close to God. You understand? I, I don't want a way to get close to God because I'm gonna go to hell. I wanna be close to God for the sake of being close to God because I know there are so many benefits in being close to God instead of just following God at a distance. So I'd rather follow him close. Now, so Paul writes then that one of the things that'll happen in the last days for that day, notice he does not make it plural now as he has done in 2 Timothy 3. But here he makes it a day which is a singular dispensation or a time that would be allocated not over a span of 2,000 years. Now in the last days, which is 2 Timothy 3, there will be perilous times. So it covered a time actually from the span of Paul right up to where we are now. But this particular prophecy was not ongoing in the days of Paul because the man of sin had not been yet made manifest. Now we're either gonna follow the son of man or the man of sin. I choose to follow the son of man. Now it will come in a certain time frame that will be the last day or the last time. And he said that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Notice not a woman president, not the money will fall, gold will fall, silver will fall. But one of the main things that we can look for and we know that we're right when we see it is there will be a falling away away, of falling away from what? The original faith that was given to the saints. And there will come a falling away first, and that man of sin will be apocalypsis or reveal, and that is the cover will be taken off of the man of sin. Now, you know, it must make the devil so angry when God anointed a prophet of God uh, years and years before Satan would ever really manifest himself and the seals would take the cover off of the man of sin. How Satan must have loved it when Brother Random would read in the book of Revelation and he would read about the, the man on the horse and he would look at the white horse rider and Brother Random would take his text in 57, 58, 59, 60, 61 and Brother Random would read that scripture and he would use that scripture as the text basis for the message called the mighty conqueror. And Brother Branham looked at that and thought it was the Holy Ghost. Now come on friends, don't be afraid, don't get all nervous. Let's just be honest, Brother Branham was a man. So Brother Branham could only preach as God gave him life. But can you imagine how nervous Satan must have got that day when Brother Branham was preaching and he was studying and he'd already brought the breach and he'd already brought God in simplicity and then he's studying on the first seal and he got out some old notes, drug out things that he'd looked at before and Brother Branham looked at the seventh day 
Adventist teaching and he looked at Clarence Larkin and he looked at this one and he looked at that one and he looked at some of the notes that he had formerly taught and he was about to write something down taken off of the notes that he had preached before and all of a sudden something come inside the room and it changed totally completely changed the direction that he was going to go and I imagine the devil looking over his shoulder and whenever he saw what that prophet wrote down he liked to have a heart attack if devil could have a heart attack he liked to pass out because he realized for the first time for 2,000 years his cover had been blown <laughs> glory to God you imagine that devil shook them demons out of hell they got all tore up cause the first time since the church ages the devil's cover was fixing to be revealed and the prophet of God stood there you hear him tell as well as I do he said I was fixing to write down and he said I would have made a horrible mistake and you know what that mistake was writing down something he'd preached years and years ago you see he could only preach what God gave him this one thing I love about this message that we're able for the first time to see a prophet grow in his understanding a prophet grow and be man enough to stand in the pulpit and tell us about it instead of a bunch of these idolizers around the message that want to make every word he said thus saith the Lord when you say that you are a liar you are not saying what Brother Branham said you have that deity spirit on you and you need to get it off or it's going to cause you to be lost William Branham was not God he was a man that God saved and God filled with the Holy Ghost come on Happy Valley that's exactly right oh I imagine that Satan was so nervous he went all two pieces and God all shook up remember the prophet tells us that them demons would get nervous whenever they knew they were going to be exposed and he said even in the church age book that Satan does not like it and he gets nervous when he's fixing to be exposed I imagine all day long long when that first seal was going to be preached Satan was pacing down in hell and them demons was coming down there asking what they're supposed to do and he's biting their head off right and left and they thought what in the world's the matter with him oh he knew that night for the first time in thousands of years he had hid behind this religious symbol of a white horse he had hid there even the prophet of God had stood there and called it the Lord Jesus and when the spirit of God broke that seal before Brother Branham ever preached it that night it had to break down when God sent the angel of the Lord down in his home and the seal broke open oh my and the devil knew he's in big trouble he was in big trouble you imagine as the word of God come forth and them demons standing around that building that night oh my and what it must have happened down in hell because the breaking forth of the word of God and then this was the very key by which the first seal, the second seal, the third seal, the fourth seal. Now we know, of course, in the sequence of the order of events that the seventh seal being the coming of the Lord opened up. And when the seventh seal opened, then one, two, three, four, five, 
sick. They all tied right into order in order to not only reveal. You see, the revealing of the seals is the opening of the word, not by Brother Branham, but by Christ himself. So what is those seals? Those seals are Christ. So it was Christ taking the cover off of himself, and he was also taking the cover off of his bride and showing his bride who she was, and he's also taking the cover off of the devil and showing the bride who the devil was and letting the devil know I've got my eyes on you. I've got my eyes on you. I see you, devil. I'm fixing to expose you, devil. I'll tell you, friends, he still gets mad when he knows he's going to be exposed. I can tell you one thing, when God puts something on my heart to expose something about the devil, I will fight all hell getting to church. I will fight all hell trying to tie my tie. My tie won't tie right. My shirt won't button right. My shoes won't do right. This won't work. That won't work. That won't work. My iPad won't work. More than not, you know what? I bring two identical iPads to church every night. When I go to France, I take two. When I go to Germany, I take two. You say, why do you take two? spare just in case the devil gets a hold of this in here. That's exactly right. Why? Because he hates to be exposed. Shouldn't you wonder why when we come to the house of God, we've got to fight hell. You've got to fight it to get here. You've got to fight it to sit there and hear the word. You've got to fight it sitting there with that old mask on your face to keep from going to sleep. You've got to fight it trying to get your breath. Why would somebody would at least blow your mouth out if you can't say amen? Just breathe so I know you're listening. Why? Because he knows the word of God is fixing to expose him that night and it will set you free from that affliction in your body or set you free from that besetting sin. So he'll try to occupy your mind. He'll try to make you hot in the service or make you cold in the service or make your foot itch or your back itch or your toenails are hurting. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he don't want you to hear what God's word has got to do. He cannot stand to be exposed. But we're here to expose his high denial. (laughs) Brother Donnie, when you read these types of scriptures, they make me so sad and so down. Why should they? Well, you're saying you're talking about people falling away, it turns me all to pieces. They shouldn't if you're a believer. You're going to wake up eventually and find out whose side you're on. And once you drive down your stake, then say, look, devil, you ain't moving me no more. I'm sick of this stuff. Now what? So the end cannot come except there come an apostasy, a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Notice the difference. Man of sin, son of man. Son of perdition, logos, son of God. Everybody's going to follow somebody. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself 
that he is God. Now we know, of course, this verse, uh, verse three, leads us into verse four. So there must be a revealing of the son of perdition, the man of sin. This had to take place under the revealing of a prophetic messenger. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so on are, are, are given a limited place into the kingdom of God. So if God has something to reveal of his word, he uses a prophet. That's right. God don't reveal such to me or to any other man. Now, I know pastors don't like to say that a lot of times and teachers don't because they want to feel like they're called above the prophet. Nobody will ever be above the prophet of God. That's right. But once God reveals it to the prophet, then other ministries that are, are under the auspices of that birth of the word, they take it and they will begin to expound on it and bring it out. But they're only saying what has already been said if they're saying with the word. So verse three points to a time when the man of sin, the son of perdition, that the apocalypse will come and the cover will be removed from him. But then verse four goes on to to show us the future revealing, which by the grace of God, we will not be here to watch it happen. Because this, of course, is during the time of the covenant when the Catholic Church will make the covenant with the Jews. Then when they do, uh, they will come together and somehow he will reckon it to where they will be able to make a joint covenant together. Then he will sit in the rebuilt temple as God himself. Now remember, many of the Jews of this day are not elect. Well, praise the Lord. There are thousands times thousands of Jews that are no more elect than Gentiles are. There will be 144,000, and guess what they'll receive? They'll not receive a radio broadcast or a telecast, but the ministry of Moses and Elijah, two prophets. So they won't have time to spend all the time wasting. Do we believe in prophets or not? Are prophets real or not? Well, can we check it back with Wikipedia? Can we check with the Yahoo? You better not check Yahoo because they don't believe in prophets. And you better not check Twitter because they don't tweet on Twitter prophets. They don't believe in prophets. So you better not get on there and go to tweeting about prophets. You better not check with Facebook. You better check God's book. And they will believe God's word and they will receive the Holy Ghost. But guess what? You and I are not going to be here when they get their revival. Why, we are going to be changed because we have said under the ministry of the Son of Man. So the Son of Perdition, we're not too much interested in. But the Word has broke over our lives and loosed us from all the filth of these denominations. Well, praise the Lord. Notice what happens then for those who have heard the truth in this apostasy. They will have embraced it. They will have owned it, as I said. They will have claimed it as their own. And then some will fall away. They will recant. They will deny. They will become an enemy of the truth they once Embrace. Now this has of course been down through time. We know that happened under the administration of Moses, happened under Joshua, happened under the sages, happened under the judges. Uh, the children of Israel they have dealt with this type of thing, apostasy for years and years before the Gentiles were ever called. So it was people that accepted the truths of the day and then they walked away and they turned their back uh, not only on the truth but on the promoters of truth and they tried their very best to destroy them. 
some of those that come out with Luther under the Reformation become some of the very ones that were the biggest enemies of the truth as it went on. Then what did they do? They turned their back on that truth and they recanted that truth and said, we no longer believe that. Well, there is a condemnation and a judgment that comes to those type of people. Second Peter chapter two, verse 21. It had been better for them not to have known. Oh my. The way of righteousness. Now notice they had not just heard about it. Somebody knocked on the door and handed them a book. Somebody passing handed them a tape and they heard about it. No, but these people actually had known. Now this is a word, a Greek word, which is, is kin to epinosis, but in a little different degree, and that is a godly knowledge. They had an understanding, a perception. They say, okay, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. I can see that. That makes more sense than anything I've ever heard in my life. Wow, I I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and I see that. And they actually had a knowledge and entered into a partaking of that truth. And yet Peter says it would have been better for them if they would have never known the way of righteousness. So they just didn't talk about the cross. They didn't talk about escaping hell, but they actually got in depth into this walk and they understood there was a way and it was called a highway of holiness. So they knew there was a behavior. They knew there was actions, there was words, there was things you do, things you don't do, places you go, things you don't go, and they understood this. Oh, but Peter says it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. My, my. Better to have never known it? Now, not that ignorance is good, but actually ignorance, listen to me, is less condemnation than knowing truth, embracing truth, and walking away from that truth and accepting something of lesser light. Now we know that according to the way the Bible projects judgment, there will be some that will be beaten with few stripes and some that will be beaten with more. Jesus projected even with the rewards. So in the regions of the lost, there's no way you're gonna convince me. A 16 year old boy gets his driver's license, he go out, the first week that he gets him, he goes stop somewhere and gets a bottle of whiskey or whatever more, dies on the road that night, wrecks his car, runs into a tree, and he's gonna suffer for the same amount of time that a false teacher, which teaches error for decades, and leads thousands of souls to hell? So it would have been better for them to have been left a Baptist. As I mentioned it before, some of these folks that have turned from the message, they would have been better off to stay Lutheran. They would have been better off to stay Pentecostal instead of coming out of Pentecost, come to the message, sit at the table, eat the message food, then turn and go back to Pentecost. They would have been better off to stay there their whole life. It would have been a whole lot more acceptable. Jesus told them of those who had turned them over to him, those who delivered me unto you are under the greater condemnation, which was the Jews. So imagine even though the Romans will be judged at the day of judgment for what they did, yet the Jews that lied on the Lord Jesus and conducted their false trials will actually receive a greater condemnation than Pontius Pilate himself. Amen. 
Why? It's because they were in their relation to truth. Look, friend, thank God for the truth. Thank God for the light. But you do not hear truth and just make up your mind. Oh, I just decided I'm going to leave. No, it don't happen that way. You do not just make up your mind after you're exposed to truth. Well, I just think I'll go back. No, look at those that do and follow their path. They will get into more depths of sin. They will get into more unbelief. Many of them go insane. Many of the ones that have left this message have turned into agnostics, infidels, total unbelievers, don't even believe in God. I know of I don't know how many different ones that have turned to lesbianism, gay, homosexuality, turned into drinking, into all sorts of things. You say, how could they do that? Exactly the fulfilling of the scripture. It would have been better if they had never heard the message of the hour than to come to it and turn and walk away. You'll never be the same. Oh my, you see, the evil condition we were born in was a degree and a depth of blindness and darkness. But once we've walked into light, how many of you ever went to a bathroom at night or a kitchen to get you a drink of water and you flip a light on, then you flip it off, then you try to find yourself back to your room. There's a certain man sitting here tonight nodding his head. Because a couple of years ago, we was on a hunting trip. And there was three beds in this room where we were. And one bed was here, and the bathroom door was there, and my bed was here, and this brother's bed was here. So he needs to get up and go to the bathroom, and he had earplugs in because this other brother that we go hunting with... Sometimes has the noisemaker going, and you think you're sleeping next to the Niagara Falls. So this, this one particular brother had these things in his ears to tone down the Niagara. And he went to the bathroom, turned the light on, and when he come back, he kind of got turned around and he couldn't see where he was. Now when he was in there, the pupils of his eyes had changed size, diameter, right? So the pupils of his eyes no longer needed to be expanded to be large to be able to gather the light that was in the room so that got smaller. But once he turned the light off and then started to walk out, he couldn't find where he was. Well, here I am, you know, in the bed, sleep, and all of a sudden I feel these hands (laughs) going down my bed. The brother don't know how close he is to being a dead man tonight. <laughs> We're not calling old names, but he's, his initials is Daryl. I mean, uh, <laughs> so I've done told you now. So brother Daryl, <laughs> he's coming down the side of my bed and I, I wake up and I'm thinking, what in the world? And I, brother Daryl, he, he leaves his phone on during the night in case he gets emergency prayer request and he does from all over the world. So whenever I went to sleep, the last thing I saw was him laying over there in his bed and his phone is flickering up on the bunk bed beneath him. So I thought maybe he'd got a prayer request during the night. Somebody was sick or something. I said, Brother Daryl, Brother Daryl. But you see the Niagara Falls plugs (laughs) were so effective that he couldn't hear me. He can't see, he can't hear. Now, liken that spiritually. When people walk away from this light, 
They can't see. They can't hear. So he starts at the head of the bed because he kind of knew, you know, close to where it was and he starts going all the way down. And I'm looking at him thinking, what in the world? I thought he, he's sleepwalking. So I'm saying, Brother Darrell, Brother Darrell, Brother Darrell. Well, he just kept right on going and right down the foot of the bed and come and turn the corner and wound up. And I'm raised up in the bed and I'm looking at him. He's still looking at his phone. I think, he must be texting if he's asleep. So the next morning I said, buddy, what in the world was you up doing? He said, brother Donnie, I'm so sorry. He said, I had them earplugs in because that other brother we remember. Uh, anyway, I had those earplugs in and he said, I was awake, I went to the bathroom. He said, I was blind as a bat. When I come out of there and I thought, brother Darrell, there's a sermon. I told him, I said, there's a sermon in that. Because when you walk out of light, you've been so used to setting under the auspices of the light and your eyes have become illuminated to those light rays and so on. And when you turn and walk away, what used to be horrible sin, absolute awful sin, ain't sin no more at all. Why? Because you lost your senses of right and wrong. And that's why when folks leave the light of God, they can start doing horrible, terrible things and yet many of them still claim their testimony of being a consecrated Christian to Christ. And they love Christ. Christ this and Christ that. It's amazing to me why don't they call his human name? Amen. Why is it they're always the Christ this and the Christ that and the Christ something else? He has a human name and that's the name that the angel told Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now I hope, I don't, I hope you don't misunderstand me. Satan is not afraid of the title Christ because every, every knee shall bow to what? The name of the Lord Jesus. Christ is the anointed one, hallelujah, but he was named Jesus, but he was the anointed one. Aren't you glad you're not baptized just in the title of Christ? I'm baptized in a name, my brother, sister. But you see, it's part of the end time that apostasy will rise. Are we seeing it in our ranks? In the last several years, how many have left? How many have apostatized and done whatever more? Is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be. Will there be more? There will be more. But there's some that will never leave. Why? Because they are germatized by that word. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I can show you all types of human things about Brother Branham. Oh, sure you can. I imagine if you was around Moses, you could have showed me about him and Jeremiah and Peter and James and John. That's the kind of people God uses. You see, once they've been enlightened and their eyes have been dilated to the light, when they turn and walk away, And they've got their Laodicean earplugs in. So you're hollering at them, you're hollering at them, you're hollering at them. They can't hear you. They can't see, so they're... They wasn't that blind when they was born lost. It's a paradox, friend. Why? Because when you were born, you were born that way, so you wasn't, you didn't sin against mercy at your birth. You were born that way. But when we walk away from truth, every 
revelation of God. We're sinning against more mercy, more mercy, more mercy. That's why people's lives get so horrible when they walk away from the truth. They can become more detestable than just a person that's never even been saved. You know it as well as I do. How many do we know? How many family members and friends that have turned and walked away from the truth and they want me and you to leave this and follow them? As I said, if some of you folks think you're sent to deliver us from the so-called message bondage, let God testify of you. Let him prove he's with you. Then we'll come and talk. Well, praise the Lord. Let us see how many's been filled with the Holy Ghost in your doctrines. Paul said, I wouldn't know just the words of them, but I would know the power. Come on, Happy Valley. What's this? Because they have sinned against more mercy. Lord Jesus. They are capable of more sin. So they think, I cannot believe this person. They're doing this and this and they think they're all right. Of course they will. That is a product of apostasy. So if you want us to move to your land, show us the inhabitants of your land. You want us to leave our land, the promised word of the hour. Show us the people living in your land. Oh, everybody's so free over here. Yeah, we can smell them. We can smell how free they are. That's not freedom to us. Well, praise the Lord. You see, apostasy, the way God looks at it, is so much worse than total ignorance. That's why I tell you, friends, don't misunderstand me. I am not preaching that we should not witness about this word, but I'm saying be led of the Holy Ghost. This has been my practice for years and years of my life. If I'm on an airplane and I'm sitting there and I've got my laptop open and saying, so what do you do? I say, I'm a preacher. Give them a little bit. They talk, give them a little bit more. They talk. If they stop, I stop. I don't want to tell them, do you know God sent a prophet? Do you know the seventh seal? Do you know that I might be sharing something them that will part them across the line and they'll never get back? Why? So we can say, I led this man to so-and-so. That's what a lot of it is, bragging rights. We want, well, I led this man and I led that man. Uh Uh-huh, and how many of them really prayed through and got the Holy Ghost? Or how many of them was really truly converted? Or maybe one of them turned and went back because you overstepped because of your pride. Oh, Jesus. My. Notice what Peter says, it had been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness and after they have known it to turn. To turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. For, well, what's happened? It has happened unto them according to the true proverb. Now, I wonder if Peter would have been confused and been plagiarizing. Because he wasn't actually quoting a scripture, but he was quoting a proverb. This is not actually in the Old Testament, but it was from the Stoics and the Greeks. So I guess some of the people in that day would have said, you know what, that Peter, he, he stole that other man's words. <laughs> That's what they're saying about Brother Branham, you know. 
It happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit. The sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So it expresses the filthy, ungodly nature of sin. What is sin? Unbelief. And it's expressed by these terrible terms, really. Vomit, mire, and dirt. Describes a lot of the former message believers. Vomit, mire, and dirt. Which is the abominable, the defiling. You see, these apostates are compared to dogs and pigs. To a Jew, the two lowest animals in God's creation, dogs and hogs. When Jesus gave the parable of the prodigal son winding up in the pig pen, you all don't understand. You all think of pork chops and ham and all that sort of thing. But remember, these Jews didn't eat pork chops. They didn't want no ham biscuit. To them, a hog was the lowest thing that there could be on the earth, and a Jew wind up in a pig pen? So you imagine Peter being a Jew, and he would use these two terms of animals. I know people say, them message preachers are so hard, and they compare people to animals. You know why we do that? because that's the way the Bible describes them, animals. Well, praise the Lord. Peter compares the lives of these false teachers who had left the truth to dogs and hogs. Well, farther I go, less mask in and outs I get. What kind of experience did these people have? Well, the old hog was actually washed on the outside. The dog was purged from the inside out. Oh my. So the dog was cleaned up on the inside and the hog was cleaned up on the outside. But actually... The hog was still a hog and the dog was still a dog. Why? Because their nature never changed. Now, they must have had some real experiences that led them to believe because they had been changed, but they had the same old nature. So, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't, Peter doesn't really say how long they were in that state, but it must have been a noticeable time. And then they started getting some sort of lapse of faith. They got on a website that started raising all kinds of questions. You see, it was the devil who started using questions that Eve couldn't answer. Yea, hath God said? He started with a question. You know, I don't mind questions so much. What I like to do is the heart, look at the heart that the question is coming from. 
because I find Judas Iscariot whenever the woman anointed Jesus and whenever Judas said in his heart, why was not that sold for so much money and given to the poor? And John said, not because that he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. So you see, the question about something so religious can come from a liar, hypocrite, thief's heart. And it's not a sincere question at all. Amen, Brother Donnie. Now that's one reason whenever I go to picking up a thief heart, I'm not going to spend much time in answering. You see, I get bombarded with questions all the time, by emails, by texts, by people who want to argue. They want to fuss and they want to debate. So generally, I'll give it a little bit of time. Brother Jim knows how I am. He'll send them to me and I'll wait. And he'll think, well, I reckon he's going to answer or not going to answer. Well, what I'm doing, I'm waiting on the yes or the no from the master. Sometimes I get the no and I ain't wasting my time with him. Because I'd rather study on how to feed you sheep food than try to figure out how to answer an old reprobate's question and knowing that when I get that one down, they'll send me another one. And when I get that one down, they'll send me another one. And I've took time away from preparing sheep food from some of you hungry sheep. Now, I feel like tonight that you hungry sheep really need all the food you can get in the hour we're living, don't you? Now, watch this. This pig looked better and the dog felt better. So the old hog, I mean, you go over there Lord have mercy. Oh, girl, I'm telling you what. I remember you used to get right, get out there and run around and man, you drunk and you was in and out of the bed with this man and that man and you smoked and you done this and that and the other. Oh, girl. Boy, you look so pretty. How can a hog look pretty? Boy, that old girl, she'd get up and, I want to thank God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That little old curly tail just wiggle and shout. Now, friends, you know as well as I do, we've had them sit in our church. Some of them have sat by you and snorted. But if you'll be honest, you look back and you realize There's always something about that old boy. There's always something about that old girl that just didn't ring true. You see, anybody's really got the goods, ain't afraid of the fire. You watch folks that's afraid of the fire, probably they got four feet, curly tail, long snout. (laughs) They don't want to be no ham biscuits. (laughs) So the dog come back, and I mean, he went over. I ain't gonna get too, you know, too gross on this one. You can just imagine in your mind. Don't imagine too far, though, because I'll have to dismiss. So the old dog goes out, and he's sick as a dog, as we say. And I mean, he is sick. Oh, man, if he had hands, he could wrap around. He's like, oh. And you know what they'll do? They'll find grass. And you'll say, what are they doing? They don't eat salad. Are you or not? They don't eat salad. They're fine, trying to find something that'll regurgitate that sin, that smoking, that drinking, that running around that they've been doing. And before long, they'll gird, they'll purge themselves. And they say, oh, hallelujah. Woo! Whoa! You say, well, that sounds like a strange hallelujah. Whoa! You say, I ain't never heard a sheep praise God like that in my life. They don't. Maybe you can explain it to me after church. 
I don't understand if it would make him sick the first time. What would make him want to go back to that Methodist church? If they were sick of it to begin with, if they were sick of all the Baptist theology, if they were sick of all the Methodists or Pentecostal, whatever were they were in, and it made them so sick that it sent them on a quest for truth and lie. And they was looking, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm searching. And so they did. And then they found something, oh, hallelujah. Oh, this is so wonderful. And they give 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of their life. And then all of a sudden, they leave the, the open word and they leave that table that spread, my, with a seven-course meal and they go back to a pile of vomit. Can you imagine vomit that's been laying there for 40 years since you had it in your mouth? And all of a sudden, you gollop it down and you say, oh, this is so good. This is so wonderful. The old hog can stay clean for a while. The dog can stay purged. But there's something about it. He goes back and said, why, why did I throw that up? I mean, if I, if I could get in a dog's head, I'd explain it to you tonight, but I ain't a dog, okay? I, I don't understand. You know, and the thing of it is, we don't condemn a hog for wallowing. We, we don't even condemn a dog for eating vomit. But I sure would a sheep. To find a sheep in a mud hole? You see, people don't understand that God likens unregenerate and apostate humanity to animals. I challenge you, Brother Donnie. You have no right to challenge me. I'm fixing to read it to you from the Bible. Psalms 57, 4, my soul is among lions. And I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men. So here David likened men to lions, ravenous, murderous beasts. Ezekiel 22, 27. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening to prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. So human beings are likened to lions and they are likened to dogs and they're likened to hogs and they're likened to wolves. Zephaniah 3.3, her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves, which are deceitful, seeking and lurking in the shadows, waiting to catch you unawares. This was the judges of Israel. Their judges, all my evening wolves, they gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Matthew 7, 6, your Lord Jesus speaking, give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Look at the meaning of this word. Kluon is the Greek word. A man of impure mind, an impudent man. So the Lord Jesus called people with an impure mind and an impudent people, dogs. And Happy Valley said, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, 
But the Holy Ghost will always do a scan over them and he'll let you find that zipper. Because it's a costume. You see, you'll never be able to scan a real sheep and find a zipper on a real sheep. Because real sheep don't have zippers. They don't put on this costume. They are the costume. This is produced out of them by a nature, by a lie. But these type of people put it on. Whoa! I mean... How's that sound? Better, better, better. Practice more. Malachi 4. Perfect vibrato, perfect. Luke 17, 30. Get your scanner out, brother. Me, 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 me. Your Holy Ghost will warn you if you'll let him. But sometimes we want to believe in people so bad, even the Holy Ghost is warning us and we'll still be duped by them. Notice, Acts 20, 29, for I know this, after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. What's these wolves going to be? Preachers, apostates. Philippians 3, 2, beware of dogs. Now, he ain't talking about cocker spaniels. He ain't talking about Dalmatians, beetle hounds. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Ah, so evil workers are dogs. Titus 1.12, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Wow, except for the dogs. Why do you preachers call people names? It's the Bible way of preaching. You see, they don't teach this way at Bob Jones. That's why I didn't go to Bob Jones. I went to Jesus Christ University, not Bob Jones. Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates into the city. For without are dogs. He's talking about your pet and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Jude, verse 10, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, or those things which are beyond their experience, but what they know naturally as brute beasts. And those things, they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them! For they've gone in the way of Cain, ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. But not only does he liken the evil, the wrong, the apostate to animals, but he also likened himself to one. So here he come out of heaven in the form of a dove. And the dove landed and went inside the lamb. Another animal. Don't you see? We're all going to reflect one or the other of the animal kingdom. God himself 
come as a lamb. That he might redeem us from a hog, from a dog, praise the Lord, from a beast to make us what? A wife dove. For there he sat on the power line. Brother Charlie told me one time that Brother Branham was down there in 1956 or something like that. And there's two doves that were sitting out there on the power line, the electrical line, you've seen it. And they were sitting out there and they'd take their necks and they'd kind of go around one another and they'd just sit there and coo, and coo, and coo. Brother Adam would go in and he would write down different things and tell them Bible stories and they'd never pull anything out of him. But if he wanted to go that way, they'd listen to it. And Brother Charlie showed me some of the different things that Brother Man would draw, and they've still got them. He was there in 56, 58, 60, all that. And yet he still had these drawings and little stories that Brother Branham would tell them. And he'd tell them about that dove. That's like God. If you'll remember, he preached in Brooklyn, 1956. He must have got some inspiration from down there looking at them little doves sitting on the power line. And they'd lock necks and sit there and coo to one another. Making a promise in Brooklyn, 1956, he said, that's what God's wanting to do to some of your cold, starchy hearts. Is to be able to make love to you as a little dove that he coos and you coo back. But can you imagine a little dove flying down and trying to coo to a lion or coo to a wolf or coo to a serpent? No, he knows better. So God wanted to become our dove and allowed his head to be wrung off, as it were. And we were the one that was sprinkled with his blood. And then what happened? We were released. So you look at us and say we're bound. We look at you and say we are not bound. We have been released. We are the ones that were bound, but we have been set free. And we bathe the ground, the earth that we walk with the testimony. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost. I was wretched. I was poor. I was miserable and naked and didn't know it. But now I'm shedding his mercy. I'm spreading his grace and his testimony. Every time I flap my wings and I hover over the earth, I say, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm free. I'm free because I've got the blood of the mate all over my life. So you want to offer me a pack of cigarettes, do you? You want to offer me a bottle of your beer, backslidden preacher that used to stand in the message pulpit and preach the message and you want to take your picture with me sitting by you with a bottle of beer? No. This property is not for rent. Nor for sale, nor for lease. As a matter of fact, I don't even own it. The owner says it's not for sale. Amen. I don't belong to myself and neither do you if you're a real Christian. Your eyes ain't yours, brothers. Your hands ain't yours to let you do what you want to do. Your mind ain't yours. Your body don't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. Let's stand together. Praise God. Brother Wes had went through here with our young people and showed them a series. And as I'd picked the, the girls out, my youngest granddaughters,
and was taking them home. And Leobeth spoke up in the back seat and she was talking about seeing Nicodemus on that video. And in the video, they projected Nicodemus as standing right around the corner, weeping and crying as the Lord Jesus was leaving his city. And Nicodemus making up his mind not to go. And Leah said, Poppy, I said, dear God, don't let me do that. I said, Leah, honey, you don't never have to worry about doing that if you don't want to do it. I said, you see, Nicodemus chose to do that. And I said, your very heart's cry, just the way she addressed him, dear God, not an idol, not some being somewhere that she didn't really know, but she embraced him and titled him as dear God. I heard a chaplain pray the other night, and as he prayed, I felt so sorry for the man because he prayed and addressed a being that was so pitiful. He addressed a being that was so distant, a being, no doubt, Brother Louis, that he'd learned about and had been taught about in school, but a being that was so impersonal. He didn't call him by his name. He didn't close his prayer in his name. But he addressed him as this God, this God out somewhere. And I said in my prayer, I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. How much we take for granted. What about you tonight? Is he some... God way out yonder somewhere or to you is he dear God is he heavenly father heavenly father I've told you years ago that's one of the things that caught me about brother Branham whenever he would pray and the way he would address father I'd never heard anything like it in my life I'd never heard anybody talk to God and approach the throne of God the way he did with terms of endearment. And as I looked in the scripture, I realized that's the way they pray. And when Jesus said, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You say, so he's teaching us to pray to him like he's our daddy. Give us this day our, our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power. Oh my, what is he talking? It's, it's children asking their father for the petitions they need in life. And you want me to walk away from that? No, thank you. How many loves where you are? Praise God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you, Father. Lord, as I looked at Brother Andy the other night, Lord, and his poor emaciated body that had fallen by this disease, 
Lord God lost so much weight. He couldn't really talk to me because of the mass that was on, but he was making noises and he found me as I spoke to him and his eyes rolled around and looked at me. I began to quote to him a portion of your scripture. I'm not sure what he said, but with every verse that I would break as I quoted him several verses, he would make this noise and shake his head. And his eyes was looking right at me. I thought, yes, Lord. We love to serve you on Monday when the bills are paid and when things are going well. But when we're laying flat of our back and the doctors say maybe an hour, maybe two, maybe four, we don't know. But he's not going to pull through. Then, Lord, we know it'll really pay off that. Oh, Jesus, help us. We understand that people can backslide, get cold, and even get indifferent. That does not mean that they're apostates. I don't want anyone here tonight that might be in that state or anyone that would be streaming or some that might hear it and say, well, I'm, I'm a backslider. Does that mean I'm apostate? It does not. It just means they're simply like Peter was when he denied you and got away from you. Peter was a backslidden son not an apostate false teacher. And he must have needed a little special recognition because when you spoke to Mary and said, go tell my disciples and oh yeah, tell Peter that I've risen from the dead. He cursed, he denied you, but that's not the same thing as being apostate. So maybe there's one or two here tonight or maybe there's some streaming. They might be over in South Africa, they might be in France. It might be like that man, Lord, last year that was dropped his wife off at her mother's house and the children. And he was going back home. And he got his gun out. Checked the revolver. It was loaded. And he sat down at the kitchen table. Cocked the hammer. All of a sudden, his smartphone went off. It pulled up a sermon. Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ. Pastor Donnie Reagan preaching. He hadn't been listening to this service. He had not been pulled it up. So that let me know one thing. The devil knows how to use smartphones and get us hang, hung up in the wrong things. The Holy Ghost got a hold of that smartphone. It might have been the smartest thing it ever done in its existence. But you pulled up to the very statement that I was making that that young man needed to hear. And right there, he laid that pistol down. And you come into his heart there, Lord. Not because he was apostate, but he was backslid. Oh, Jesus, help us tonight, Lord. I feel like Polycarp and many of the others, he's done me good all my days. Why would I want to turn my back on him now? I remember those days in Pentecost. Oh yeah, I was running here and there, preaching, doing this, that, and other, on TV, on, on radio, thousands of people knew my face, this, that, the other. Why was I still hungering for something? Standing, preaching a tent, National Geographic, come down there, Lord, take my picture, put us all over the National Geographic, Lord, all kinds of this and that and the other going on. Why was I hungering? Why was I longing? There's something in me calling out. Oh, Jesus. It was this word. 
Why would I want to go back to that stuff and rehash it and warm it up and try to eat it again? No, thank you. Praise be to God. I say, feed me, Lord. Feed me on your revealed word of this hour. They may be sick of this light bread. I'm not, Lord. It's angel's food to me. We're going to keep on eating until we're going to eat ourselves into a body change. Father, minister strength, healing, whatever your children need tonight, Lord. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not be in need. The terms there of the first verse is the Lord is my shepherd, which is Jehovah Rohai. Jehovah, one of the compound names of God, Jehovah Rohai. The Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not wonder, the Hebrew rendering is, I will not lack any good thing. So Lord, if we need encouragement tonight, it's a good thing. Would you pass our way tonight, Jesus? Bring healing, strength, whatever we need, Lord. Encouragement. We worship you now, Father. Can we take just a few minutes before we go to just worship him a little bit? How many would like to just give him a little praise and a little love? Now, you believe that he's sitting as it was tonight on the power line? You say, what kind of power is it? It's that power line of the Holy Ghost. So he wants a little dove that'll pull up by him, pull up on the power line of the Holy Ghost, and Jesus will go to cooing. Coo. 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 Y'all have heard me tell it when I was a little boy, and my mom and daddy both worked, and we lived way up in a holler back in a place called Gap Creek. Mom and daddy would go to work. My grandmother would stay there with me. I'd get so lonesome. I was just a little bitty old fellow. I can remember like it was yesterday. And one of the things that would torment me, Brother Louie, was I would hear them doves. And I thought, what is it about them things that do that to me? And I'd hear them, and they'd, they'd go to cooing and cooing. And I'd go to thinking about mom and daddy, and I'd go to crying. <laughs> so every time I hear the coo of his voice, I go to thinking about my real daddy. Hallelujah. I hear him calling me. I hear him calling me. And I answer. What am I going to say? Don't come, Lord Jesus. I, I, I need another thousand dollars. Don't come, Lord Jesus. I need another boat. Uh, don't come, Lord Jesus. But I want to say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I guarantee you, some of you have said that more in 2020 than you've said in any year in your life. And we'll probably say it more in 2021 than we did in 2020. What are we doing? We're answering his coup. He says, bride, get close to me. And we scoot over on the power line. And things don't happen like we think they ought to. And we get over on the power line. We scoot closer and closer. He takes his neck and comes over to ours. And we find out who we are. So used to, we're scared to death. But now we take our, our neck by face and we wrap it around his. And we say, coo, coo. Glory to God. Oh, I wish I was by myself right now. I could talk the way I feel. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. The 
Let's just, while he's here, let's just let him lay his neck over on us. My goodness, there ain't a person standing here tonight that I got so much to praise God for. Erica, honey, you got so much to praise him for. But Keith, we got so much to praise him for. Brother Wes, brothers and sisters, we got so much to praise him for. Let's bend our little neck as it was over to him. Let's coo back. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Coo. Coo. Let him make love to your heart tonight. Brother Donnie, I've got such bitterness, let him love it away. I've got resentment, let him love it away. I've got so many questions, I've got to understand it all before I can ever let him love all them doubts away. And all them questions. Some of your questions ain't never going to be answered till by and by and probably then you won't care no how. But you have to learn to trust his heart even when you can't understand his will. But a real believer trusts his heart when his will confuses them. Because they trust his heart. Coo. I love you, Jesus. I bless your name. El Herohi. El Elohim. El Elah. El Shaddai. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shama. Jehovah Titskanu. The Lord our banner, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. Oh, Lord God, we worship you tonight, Jesus. Let's just praise him a little, children. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the king? Don't think about your wife now, your children. Don't think about anybody else so much in the building, but just you enter into his courts and oh pray don't you just sense that awesome awesome presence of God oh Jesus we worship you mighty one what a great revelation that David must have had father that he would feel so inspired to write this condescending term and liken you to a shepherd. What a revelation that a man without the Holy Ghost had that he didn't feel it was blasphemy. This is before you become a man. But David felt this inspiring moment strike his soul and he felt it not blasphemy to say, the Lord, Adonai, is my shepherd. We know many of the Psalms were written to Maskeel. Maskeel was the chief musician. Maskeel was one of the chief coordinators, and David would write a psalm and send it to Maskeel. And Maskeel would take it, and the band of the Jews would get together and they would practice the psalm and they would sing it publicly. But this psalm, the title of it is simply a psalm of David. It was not sent to Maskeel. 
but it was meant as a private, intimate time of worship. So can I say it this way, Lord, and not be wrong? A psalm of Donnie, a psalm of Scott. Because when we catch the revelation of this psalm, it's all about two individuals that are so intertwined in love. The Lord is my shepherd, not ours. And I, individual, shall not want. He make us, me, individual, not us, to lie down in green pastures. He lead us, me, not us, beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I, the whole thing. Glory to God. Psalms 23 is St. John 10 of the Old Testament. St. John 10 is Psalm 23 of the New Testament. Oh, great shepherd, we worship you. Hallelujah. Sing something for us, Harry, if you can find something. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. Just worship him, children. With all your hearts. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lift our hands. We lift our hands. In worship. In worship, Lord. As we lift your holy name. You deserve Hallelujah, Lord, and the only honor. Hallelujah. We lift our hands. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. In worship, in worship, Lord, as we live.
said that he ain't never never done me nothing ever done me nothing but good oh nothing but good i said that he ain't never never done me nothing ever done me nothing but good oh nothing but good righteous man devil couldn't doubt it he surely loved his savior there was no doubt about it then satan cursed his body from his feet to his head then told him all his cattle and his children were dead then job's wife said why don't you curse your god and die but job said woman you speak like a foolish child my savior I cast my lot with a chosen few and i started out for heaven soon i was forsaken my friends left one by one but the good lord walked right along beside me never left me alone he fed me when i was hungry he fed me when i was sad well he has been the dearest friend i have ever had i said he Well, the fire could not consume 
him with a sword. The blood ran down, put out the fire. Still he prays the Lord. He said, all these years I've served him. He's always done me good. I won't repent and I won't recant. Tell me why I should be
Folks, I'm sorry. If you want to, you can be seated. If we fall down, we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love we find at the feet of Jesus and we cry holy, holy oh you are so holy we cry holy, holy holy
Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of my Jesus. And I cry, see what blind Bartimaeus saw that day probably the only one in the crowd that was blind as far as we know yet he saw more than any of them saw he saw a lamb not just a lamb but his lamb he saw his lamb a lamb has provided for his eyes and that same Lord God has provided a lamb for you tonight friend whatever it would be eye trouble oppression depression arthritis what whatever it would be leukemia cancer He's our lamb. You know, sometimes I think we, we get the wrong picture. It's not so much what we know, but how much can we love? It's the love affair. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know this person personally. You know the day he came to you and he spoke to you and he called you out of the darkness. He called you out of the bar room. The time he was going down the road and a voice said, stop, don't turn around, go back. It was him wooing to you, watching over you. A car wreck right ahead, but he loved you and spoke to you. Sometimes that hesitation at a red light, when you, 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 it turns green, but something just holds you back for a moment. Maybe one day you'll realize it was his hand holding you back. He loves you. And nothing that he allows into our lives he doesn't do it because he hates us but these things that comes into our lives they mold us and shape us and make us stronger and better Christians with greater faith amen to love him and to serve him and to believe him oh my just to fall in love with Jesus amen that's all you need to do friends do you remember that day you remember that day he came to you? I remember that day, December the 21st, 1981. I remember that day. He spoke to me, Brother Wes. Oh, don't you love him tonight? Have you enjoyed the Word of God? This presence, friends, amen. What a real inauguration for us, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not red, white, and blue. It's white flags, all right. White flags of victory. Amen. Waving the white flag of victory tonight. Amen. As the, angel, the angels wave the white flags of victory, as the devils drag their black flags of defeat up the aisle. Oh, hallelujah. When that spirit comes near you and that pulsating of his word and you start believing it and you start receiving it and you start saying, that's for me. He's speaking to me. That's me. That moment that you realize that word is calling, oh, hallelujah. And you receive that word and the flags begin to wave the victory. There's victory in Jesus tonight. Amen. God bless you, saints. Certainly enjoyed the word. You appreciate Brother Donnie. What? God bless you, Brother Donnie. Amen.
Brother Donnie, we love you, buddy. I want you to know that. Amen. I may never get another hunting trip, but I love you, Brother Donnie. <laughs> I knew one day he would tell that. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I was blind as a bat. It, I, as, ain't no way to describe it. I couldn't see nothing. But, oh, God. oh, well, that's another story. I'll, I'll give you my side of it another time. But. <laughs> Amen. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. God bless you, Brother Michael Walls. Good to see you, buddy. Sure love and appreciate you. Amen. Man, won't it be a time we all gather up at Daddy's house? We're going to have us a time. Glory be to God. What a wonderful time. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father. Lord, I, I never got my letter in the mail when President Trump was elected, Lord, to come for the inauguration. Lord, I never got my letter in the mail when President Biden invited me to his inauguration. That's all right, Lord. I probably wouldn't have felt at home there anyway. But Lord, I... I wouldn't take nothing for this invitation I've been given tonight, Lord. Lord, the mayor of Johnson City, he don't know my name. Governor Lee down here in Tennessee, Nashville, Lord, he, he don't know me. President Biden, Lord, he, he don't know nothing about me, Lord. But the God who, <laughs> the God who created the heavens and earth. You know my name, Lord. You spoke to me. You called me to yourself, Lord. We're so grateful tonight. Each of us, Lord, in our own way, how you came to us, Lord. How you cooed over us like a dove. And Lord, tonight, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you, oh God, for your assurance, for your peace, for your comfort, for your joy, for your shield, for your buckler. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you for your shepherd staff, dear God. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us, Lord. We thank you, dear God, for the promises that we see fulfilled in our day. For this day, these scriptures are being fulfilled. And we thank you, dear God, for the promises that lay ahead. That we'll see you fulfill those too. For every promise, your prophet said, the ever-remembering promise, remember, ever-remembering God remembers every promise of his word. God, there's not a promise made to us that you'll forget. And this we have confidence in, Lord. If we can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. And Lord, tonight we believe you and we love you. Go with your people now, Father. May we, may we meditate upon these things that we've heard, Lord, tonight. And may we take them into our heart, Lord, and it might bring forth much fruit, Father. Thank you for Brother Donnie's labor, Lord. And we ask God that you just strengthen his body, Lord, and return it to him, dear God. And Lord, we just appreciate it tonight, Father, for those that were prayed for and those that were touched, God, and those that were sitting in the pew that was touched tonight, Lord. We believe there'll be great testimonies because we serve a great God. We love you tonight, Lord. We commit it now into your hands. And may the people go in the fear of God until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Do you love him tonight?
Does it feel good tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Brother Harry, sing us something as we go home tonight. Amen. May the Lord richly bless you be our prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, mine. I told Satan to get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. Joy today is mine. Oh, mine. I told Satan to get thee behind. Joy today is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, mine. I told Satan, you better get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Peace is mine. Oh, hallelujah. Peace.